Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Thank you for joining us today. And today we are going to continue in Daniel chapter 4, and we're really going to be building an application for today based on what we saw in the ancient world with King Nebuchadnezzar, the king, the emperor of the world's first world empire. In Daniel 4, we read that the king would end up boasting about himself. And basically, even though the king, we look at him and say, well, King Nebuchadnezzar was afflicted with megalomania, but aren't we all in a certain sense think, well, we just run our lives the way we want to run our lives, that God isn't very much involved in it, and that's not the case. And God said the punishment of Nebuchadnezzar for not recognizing God's kingship over his kingship is that he would be driven from among men, forced to eat grass in the field like an ox, like a wild animal, wet with the dew of heaven, and for a long period of time, probably seven years, he would be afflicted with this until, the Bible says, you know that the Most High rules over the kingdom of men. And that's the key to Daniel, to Revelation, and in fact, that's the key to so much of the Bible, is that God is presented to us as a great king. And we saw that basically Nebuchadnezzar, because his boast basically resulted in a loss of his humanity, a loss of his reason. And I describe that as the king's madness. Now, I ended up the last broadcast alluding to this isn't an isolated incident because I cited Jeremiah chapter 51, where Jeremiah is saying Babylon was the golden cup in the Lord's hand, making all the earth drunken. The nations, not just Nebuchadnezzar, the nations drank of her wine, therefore the nations went mad. So Nebuchadnezzar's madness basically expanded to encompass the nations of the world, various peoples. And then when you come to the book of Revelation, in chapter 14 and verse 8, an angel announces, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Now, that phrase Babylon the great, which appears in Revelation 14, 17, and 18, comes straight from Daniel chapter 4. That's the place in the Old Testament you find Babylon the Great. And in the book of Revelation, referring to both, I believe, the first century situation in which Christians found themselves, as well as the last generation of Christians, and Christians actually in between, it says, Babylon the Great made all nations drink of the wine of her impure passion. So we saw something that started with Nebuchadnezzar, his madness expanded to the nations, and it wasn't just in the ancient world because we find it right in the book of Revelation. Now, here's my point. Don't you think the cultural decay, say, just since the year 2000, I use that as a marker, hasn't it been incredible? 
you just think, wow, what could be worse? And before you kind of really even begin to adjust to the situations going on in our culture, and then something worse comes along and it keeps up. It doesn't seem to end. And I think I'm at the point that I don't think it's going to end. And the reason is we are afflicted with Nebuchadnezzar's madness in the sense that if we don't recognize Jesus Christ as king over our nation, that we think that uh, we determine right and wrong, say by our vote, whether or not a child can live, what marriage is, what laws should be passed, without regard to, say, the Ten Commandments, we've made ourselves king. We've made ourselves the ultimate authority. And it's my theory, based on these scriptures, that there's a madness in the modern world, and it's not going to stop until we can recover, as Christians, the essence of what a lot of the Bible is trying to tell us. We're the salt of the earth. And so seeing the centrality of God's kingship, particularly now in the New Testament, God's Son has inherited the throne of this earth, and we have to basically get that very clear. Now, I'm going to take you on a little trip uh, in the scriptures to a key verse that should unlock huge portions of the New Testament for you, as well as what we're studying in Daniel, as well as what we've already studied in the book of Revelation. And I want to take you to one single verse in the Old Testament so that you can learn what the word gospel means. I mean, think of it as Catholics. Uh, we process in in mass, holding the gospels high. We stand when the gospels are read. We talk about the gospels. Every mass, we hear about the gospels and they're expounded. But what does the gospel mean? What's the essence of it? Well, I want to take you to the verse in the Old Testament where New Testament scholars tell us the origin of the idea of the gospel. And by the way, when we talk about the gospel, we're going to go to the Greek Old Testament called the Septuagint, because that's a nice place to go if you want to compare words between Old Testament and New Testament. The Greek language is the same for both. But the root of the word to evangelize, the root of the word gospel, is the exact same root, and to proclaim the good news also the same thing. These are all different ways the English language translates this root word for evangelize. So what's that single verse that will open up so much, not just a biblical prophecy, but what is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about? I mean, this is the essence. And you say, well, what is the gospel? And this is it. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7. And it goes like this. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet, and basically feet are generally regarded unclean, so having beautiful feet, this is supposed to get our attention. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings or good news, who publishes peace, who brings good tidings of good. So two times in this verse, the root word for the word gospel is mentioned in the Greek Old Testament, 
who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, this is the essence of the gospel. This is the essence of this proclamation. This is the essence of the one who has beautiful feet carrying the good news. And what is that? Your God reigns. Yahweh, the God of the Bible, reigns. God is king. That is the essence of the good news. And I dare say over nine out of 10 Catholics couldn't tell you this. I would say nine out of 10, let's include the evangelicals. Where did we even get the concept of the word gospel in the New Testament? What's its Old Testament origin? They couldn't take you. You really need to circle in your Bible Isaiah 52 and verse 7. Now, I want to take you for a quick spin through the epistle to the Romans, okay? The reason I'm going here is that a lot of people, and particularly I'm thinking of myself with an evangelical background, somebody asked me in years past, Steve, what's the gospel? I would have said, well, it's about personal salvation. And it's certainly about salvation, but the essence of the gospel in the New Testament finds its origin in Isaiah 52, 7, and it's the idea of God reigning, God as king. So let's go to Romans, and the reason I'm picking on Romans, because for many people, this is where the gospel of personal salvation is strongest proclamation is found. Okay, so we'll go to Romans 1. The first few verses are the introduction for the whole epistle. So Romans 1, 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Okay, so we're talking about gospel in the first verse of Romans, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, like Isaiah 52, 7. The gospel, another time this is mentioned. Remember, in Isaiah 52, 7, two times we find gospel. We now find it in the first three verses of Romans 1. The gospel concerning his son who was descended from David. Now, what's the big deal with that? Well, what's David? David was the great king of Israel. The Messiah would be a descendant or son of David. So, <laughs> we already we're, we're we're kingship here within three verses. Okay, according to the flesh, designated son of God. Now we're going from son of David. The Messiah is even greater. He's the son of God. And if God, Yahweh, is king of the world, the son of God is king. Jesus Christ, our Lord. And what does Lord mean? That's another word of way of saying king. So now let's go to what for many people is a very familiar passage, Romans 10. A lot of people say, well, if you want to get saved, you go to Romans 10. So here we go. Verse 8 of Romans 10, what does it say? The word is near you, it's on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. This is what St. Paul preached. This is the gospel he preached. It connects it with Romans 1 and Romans 10. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, not you don't confess him as your Savior, you confess him as your Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The gospel proclamation is the kingship of Jesus. Belief in the kingship and lordship of Jesus results in being saved. But how are men to call upon him whom they have not believed? 
How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? Remember, I started off with, this is the word of faith which we preached, Romans 10.8. Now in 10.14, he's talking about the need of a preacher. And now the zinger, verse 15 of Romans 10. And how can men preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Now, if you look in your Bible, that's in quotes, as it is written. Well, where is it written? It's written in Isaiah 52, 7, our God reigns. And what's happened in the modern world, we read the four gospels, we read the book of Revelation, we read Daniel, we read the epistle of Romans, and we miss the essence of that preached good news, the gospel, that Jesus Christ is king of the world, and not just king of my hearts or king of my church, king also of the nations of the world. And that's why Pope Pius XI's encyclical, Quas Primus, was all about. Now, what's happened over the last few decades, in fact, the last century? There's been a major switch regarding Christ's kingship. It's been eclipsed. We've taken a crown off his head, but I submit that that's a major reason our modern world is suffering Nebuchadnezzar's madness. And before our nation can recover its sanity, we need to rediscover the main point of the gospel, Jesus Christ is Lord and King. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 149 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.